Okay, uh, to start us off, I came across this um, uh, Instagram story um, yesterday, and I thought we could talk about it, okay? Now, Light Watkins, does anyone follow Light Watkins? Does anyone know who he is? Okay, so he is a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author. He is a philosopher, and he is like a, a highly sought-after uh, speaker. He's spoken at the TEDs and uh, all that other stuff. <laughs> but yeah, he is a TED speaker. Um, uh, but what he's really famous for is like being a huge advocate for meditation, right? Like it's called a Vedic meditation. And he hosts these seminars where people come and for four days, they just like meditate. Um, so most of his stuff is really positive. That's why I like him. And that's why I follow him. I actually don't know if he's Christian or not, but there's definitely some Christian values that uh, overlap with my values. Uh, but this one is uh, kind of more critical and he's criticizing people on social media, ironically, because he's on social media, okay? And uh, it's a little bit controversial, um, but I think it's honest, all right? And um, it is a critical look at our use of social media, uh, but I, I don't think it's judgmental. I don't know, you be the judge, okay? Um, so I will put this here for people watching online. We're all narcissists. Newsflash, we're all narcissists. And what I mean by that is social media has, has us normalizing, showing off where we are, what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're eating. And again, if we're being honest, these are all symptomatic of narcissism. Right? It's sort of a look at me culture where we're all sort of competing for attention or for likes or for admiration or um, envy. My, my lane in that is, hey, look at what I'm thinking. Look at what I'm, uh, how inspiring do you think I am? And all of, and, you know, and, and this kind of thing. Even if you just filter your photos, it's like, wow, you know, look at where I am or look at how I'm looking. That's narcissistic. And I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, but I just know that term gets thrown around a lot. And, uh, and it's, a, it's being off of social media as an opportunity to really look at that and be like, oh my God, I'm, being, I'm a narcissist in that way. It reminds me back in the days when I stopped drinking, right? If you have never gone sober for any period, for any meaningful period of time, you probably don't notice that most people in our society are functional alcoholics, right? But if you stop drinking for a month or for a year and you still go to the same places you were going before, the same parties or the same venues or the same whatever, even just going to the family reunion, you're going to look around and go, oh my God, these people are all alcoholics, you know, low-grade alcoholics to un dysfunctional alcoholics, but there's still a sense of alcoholism that we've normalized. We've made it so normal that if you're not drinking, people think something's wrong with you. And they ask you all these questions. Why aren't you drinking? What's wrong with you? Is everything okay? It's like, this is so weird. It's like bizarro world. 
So I felt a little bit of that with, with social media, where it's like, oh my God, we're all narcissists. <laughs> and we're all like putting our life out there to, for the admiration of other people, you know, and to get comments and to get likes. And we keep checking it to see who's commented on it or who liked it or why hasn't so-and-so liked it. That's narcissistic behavior. It's crazy. It's really, really crazy, right? So all that to say, just be careful who we're calling a narcissist because it could be a case of the, the pot calling the, uh, the kettle black. All right. <laughs> all right, so let's turn to your neighbor, okay? Turn to one person and talk about this. Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Is there anything that resonates with you? Um, what stands out to you? So uh, if you came with someone, um, don't talk to that person, okay? But uh, turn to your neighbor and talk about this a little bit, and we will come back uh, in just a couple minutes. Oh, and for those of you online, uh, there's at least two people online, right? So please uh, chat with each other in the chat box, okay? Oh, just like, what do you think about this? Like, well, you know, do you disagree? Do you agree? What are your thoughts? What stands out to you? And yeah. All right, uh, let's get back together. Um, so did you guys have any interesting conversations? Yeah? Can you guys share, like? Did you guys not talk about it at all? <laughs> Anyone wanna share um, some of the things that were you know, discussed and some highlights? Diana and I had a good talk, but like I want to let others share first, if possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I was always curious, like, the origins of social media, like, what was the motivation behind it? Is it like, so that they could um, monetize people's narcissism? Or is it really like, to communicate and stay connected with your friends, you know? That's what he says, right? Uh, whether that's the motive or not, um, it's really like to fuel narcissism and like using that as a way to make money, <laughs> monetize it. Um, any other thoughts? That's a good, yeah, observation. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. What what do you mean by that? The algorithm part. Uh huh. So the algorithms like favor and uh, bias those who like are selling something, but also like the influencers who probably already have like a big platform. But for those people who want to use it as a way of like sharing their life, they're not, <laughs> which Zuckerberg says was the origins of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Mm. Very true. Yeah. Uh Diana pointed out a interesting thing where like our culture changed a lot when our smartphones added the front facing camera. And uh well, I said to her, like, are you even old enough to remember a time when Smartphones didn't have a front-facing camera because, like, growing up in high school, we, you know, for me, in the twentieth century in high school, <laughs> uh, they didn't. Uh, we didn't, most people didn't even have like cell phones, you know. And then in college, for me, was when people started having cell phones, and they were those like ghetto clamshell flip phones, which didn't even. Most of them didn't even have cameras, um, and now, uh, no one ever says. I wish I had a camera. Like no one ever says that anymore because <laughs> people always have cameras. And then the front facing camera definitely was a game changer. Uh, any other observations or talks? Good discussions? Oh, uh, well, yeah, one of the things we talked about was um, like with social media, like narcissism definitely was big but i think covid kind of like took that and like jacked it up with steroids like took narcissism to a whole new level right i'm sorry yeah tiktok and then uh instagram stories and reels like like blew up like like crazy like reels especially right um and all of that is like just like front-facing cameras right um but what's really interesting and i should have added this graphic on there but it's on our website uh, in according to the CDC uh, and uh, um, Kaiser Family Foundation, which is the uh, Kaiser Permanente like hospital family, um, anxiety and depression like shot up dramatically in the past two years, which might not come as a surprise to any of you. But what's surprising to me is like how much it shot up. Okay, so in 2019, before COVID. Um, the average household had like uh, a person who struggled with anxiety and depression, like 11%, okay, 11% of the average American household had someone who struggled with depression or anxiety. And then in 2021, at the beginning of this year, it shot up to 
which is insane, right? Just the dramatic like shot, uh, like how, how sharply it rose in uh, depression and anxiety in the family. And it's no coincidence that narcissism shot up just as much like in the same like rate, right? And I don't know, there's no study done on like narcissism. Like how many of you have become more narcissistic during COVID? Like, I don't know how many people are like self-aware enough or honest enough to be able to answer that accurately. But uh, I think we could all uh, agree that it is true that it is happening as people have become more isolated, they became more uh, narcissistic and less connected to other people in deep ways. Now, you could also argue that before COVID, people were already narcissistic, um, but it's just not as obvious. Uh, but one of the things that was taken away from people are these constant distractions that we had in order to um, focus anywhere outside of ourselves, like, you know, getting together with friends, like going to events or like parties or concerts and all these like special gatherings that we're so accustomed to that were a distraction from keeping us engaged with ourselves, which is actually okay in, uh, in a certain way. Uh, but then what happens when you take away all those distractions, then people's narcissism truly comes out and people also realize that that's not enough. Being narcissistic does not get us anywhere in terms of uh, spiritual and emotional health. Actually, it does the exact opposite. So the central truth for today, as you can see in your There will always be someone who sits on the throne of your life, okay? There will always be someone who sits on the throne of your life. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2? If you don't have your Bibles, um, I went ahead and put it up on here for you. Your Bible or your Bible app, or you could just look ahead on the screen. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When, the, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And having been warned in, in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. All right. So here we have the famous visit of the Magi, or as some people call it, the wise men. Um, now, there are uh, a few key characters in today's passage, okay? Um, here they are, okay? The Magi, King Herod, the North Star as a character, and baby Jesus, all right? Baby Jesus. Uh, now, there, there's a specific reason why I, I, we, wrote, we wrote baby Jesus instead of Jesus Christ, because one, it reminds me of um, that movie, Talladega Nights. You guys remember that movie, Talladega Nights, with uh, Will Ferrell? I love that he, when he prays, he prays to baby Jesus and not Jesus Christ. He goes, oh, baby Jesus. You guys remember? <laughs> More on baby Jesus, yeah. Um, no, I, I say that as a joke, but like, there's something really um, uh, critical about that imagery of Jesus Christ, the son of God, in this form of this fragile baby, all right? So that's why it was important for me to put that adjective on there, baby Jesus, okay? Now let's take a look at these uh, four characters, okay? Um, uh, the Magi, okay? The Magi are uh, mysterious men, typically, most likely men, who come from the former Persian Empire, okay? The per Persian Empire was this really powerful empire, you know, before the birth of Jesus, like uh, centuries before the birth of Jesus. And the Magi were kind of like the remnants of uh, this powerful empire, all right? Now, uh, some people think that uh, they were royalty. They weren't technically royalty. They served royalty, okay? So they were constantly in the royal courts, like serving as advisors, counselors, wise men to the king or the emperor. Now, um, there is something uh, really mysterious about the Magi, even the word Magi. Okay, what does it closely resemble? What word does it closely resemble? Magic, magic, okay? So there was, uh, when people observed the Magi, there was something mysterious and magical about them. Now, you have to remember, this is the first century, right? And so this is before uh, the birth of uh, science as a field, right? So the things that the Magi knew, people had no idea how they would know certain things, right? So uh, if people were into chemistry, um, they would be called like alchemists, right? Uh, when, if people were really into science in the first century, they would call them like magicians or sorcerers, okay? Uh, if people were really, really into like, like studying like books and like the Magi would read like, have like libraries and libraries of books and they would study from all different cultures, right? They would be called like uh, gurus. <laughs> and so the Magi, uh, if you have to remember the, the Persian empire, they were not just like one people group. The Persian empire was huge and they conquered different nations. And as they conquered different nations, they absorbed that country's or that people's culture and their uh, knowledge and their history. And so the Magi had so much 
historical and cultural backgrounds to pull from. One of the ways that they knew that the savior of the world would come to them during this time was because they were very, very well read with the Hebrew scriptures, okay? Which is why in verse uh, six, it's quoted. Uh, it's actually a, a verse from uh, the book of Isaiah, okay? A prophecy in Isaiah that the Messiah would be born in a little small town called Bethlehem. And one of the things that I realized about why Jesus had to be born uh, in a manger, like a feeding trough of animals, and most likely in a cave, right? Because there was no room in the inn, as the famous story goes, right? Because King Herod knew by this point that the birth of the Messiah was going to happen in the town of Bethlehem, which is not a very big town, right? And so if it's going to be born, in, uh, if the baby's going to be born in Bethlehem during this time, and King Herod was uh, feel threatened by this Messiah that was going to come, he's going to go to every inn and make sure to kill all the babies that were born in those inns. He would never check to uh, see, look for a baby in, in, in a cave <laughs> surrounded by animals. All right, so there is a reason why Jesus was born in a cave and was using a feeding trough, a manger, as his bed instead of uh, uh, an actual bed. So there's a reason behind all of these things, okay? So, uh, but the, the Magi did not know King Herod's motivations, okay? Now, King Herod, okay, um, which brings us to the next main character. King Herod was uh, the king of the Jews, okay? Now, this was like a, a, a puppet role that the Roman Empire gave to the Israelites in the first century to kind of appease them because the Jews in the first century wanted to be their own government. They wanted to be their own people, but they really weren't, okay? So kind of like to throw them a bone, the Roman Empire said, okay, we'll give you a king, okay? And so it was Herod, all right? And it was like his family, okay, his lineage. And so when King Herod heard that there was gonna be this new king of the Jews, uh, he felt threatened, okay? And he's, he said, no one's gonna take my throne away from me. And so he pretended like he wanted to come and worship this baby Jesus, right? And he said to the Magi, oh, please tell us where he is so that I could go and worship him. Well, what we, he really wanted to do was to kill this baby that was born, all right? And so that's King Herod, okay? He felt that his throne was threatened and no one was gonna take the throne away from him, all right? So he wanted to find this Jesus and uh, get rid of him which brings us to the North Star. Okay, so uh, technically, okay, uh, the North Star is not North, all right? Uh, I just say that because we all kind of know what North Star means, which means our guiding light, right? Um, the, our compass, which guides us on the path that we're supposed to go. Um, first, this star, uh, because the Magi were coming from the East, so they were coming from the former Persian Empire, which is currently like Iran, right? Um, and they came to Jerusalem, which is west, right? So technically, it was a west star, <laughs> okay? And then they first went to Jerusalem, and then later on, they found out that they had to go to Bethlehem. And so they went down to Bethlehem, which was south of Jerusalem. <laughs> so it's the south star. But South Star doesn't sound as nice, okay? So that's why today's message is called North Star. All right, the North Star is um, this light in the sky that they saw at nighttime. And 
the Magi, again, they, they were so well-read and they, they, were, uh, they had so much knowledge and uh, they knew the constellation in the sky so well that when there was one star that was out of place, they knew that star was different. They, they knew there was something special about that star, okay? So my theory, okay, this is totally my theory, is that that star is not a star at all, okay? That it's some sort of like uh, celestial or like um, angelic presence that hovered over where Jesus was born, okay? That helped guide the wise men or the magi, all right? And so um, the North Star could very well be like just an angel like floating <laughs> in the sky to help guide the, the, the Magi to where Jesus was born, okay? And that brings us to baby Jesus. And baby Jesus is the one who's supposed to sit on the throne. Not the throne of the Jews, but the throne of all of our lives, the throne of our hearts, okay? And so, the, so this is why the central truth for today is there will always be someone who sits on the throne of your life. For King Herod, he himself was sitting on the throne. And no one was going to take that away from him. And the main struggle for us today in 2021, leading up to 2022, is that we ourselves are sitting on that throne, okay? which is why we talked about narcissism. But that is not going to get us anywhere. That is not going to fulfill our heart's desires uh, like Jesus can. It's only when we focus on Jesus and have Jesus sit on the throne of our lives can we feel fulfilled. Now, the Magi, they brought various gifts for uh, Jesus that represented something uh, about Jesus, okay? And each of these gifts that the Magi brought uh, made a bold proclamation of who Jesus is, all right? And um, now, we don't know if there were actually three magi, okay? Uh, three wise men. There is this one famous Christmas song. Do you guys know that song, We Three Kings? We three kings of silver and gold, right? Uh, there are a few things that are inaccurate about that. Okay, first of all, we don't know if there was actually three magi. But we just assumed there was because they brought three gifts. Um, but we do know there was more than one, okay, because the Bible uses plural, all right? Um, and the other thing is uh, they're not kings, okay? They served in the royal courts, but they were not kings, all right? They were um, magi. They were wise men, okay? Uh, but in this song, uh, there's this verse that says, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Now that part is accurate, okay? And the first gift that they brought is what? It's in your bulletins. <laughs> and it's in the Bible verse. Gold, all right? Gold, all right? So the gold represents Jesus as king. These weren't just random gifts that the Magi brought. They're, they weren't just like looking around and they're like, oh, well, what do we have lying around that we could give to Jesus, okay? These were like, they carefully thought about each gift. Okay, and the first gift that they brought being gold represents Jesus as king. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. 
When the Magi first came to acknowledge Jesus, they thought that they were simply visiting the king of the Jews. But once they saw this baby Jesus in person, they realized that Jesus is not only king of the Jews, Jesus is the king of all kings. That begs the question, do we recognize as Jesus as king in our lives? Do we give Jesus the same recognition as king as these magi did 2,000 years ago? And as, as significant as the first gift was in recognizing Jesus, the second gift that they brought was even more significant. Okay, and it said, it made an even bigger proclamation about Jesus's identity, okay, which is uh, frankincense, okay, we probably don't use that word often, but the second part of that word, you know what it is, right, incense, right, that recognizes Jesus as God, okay, frankincense recognizes Jesus as God, it makes this proclamation as Jesus as God, we see incense being used in religious um, settings all the time, right? Like if you were to go to like an Orthodox or a Catholic church, they put incense in that like metal ball and they like swing it around and they fill up the room with this like smoke and this smell, right? It's something about it like uh, reminds us of like Jesus's divinity. Even in like Buddhist temples, Right? Even if you go to Buddhist temples, they light incense, right? And they do this and then they put it in the sand. Right? There's something about that that speaks to this supernatural connection that we have with uh, another world. So, frankincense, it's like um, very common in the first century. Okay. Obviously, gold was very costly, right? Frankincense was more common. And so it seems odd that these two gifts will be paired right next to each other. But again, the Magi are being very intentional about the gifts that they're bringing to Jesus. They're making proclamations about who he is. Check out what it says in verse 11, okay? On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. When the Magi, I suspect when the Magi came to visit this baby Jesus, they were coming as a form of respect and honoring him. They probably were not expecting to worship him. Okay, but as soon as they came across Mary and baby Jesus, they knew there was something very special about this child that was going to change the world forever. And they bowed down and worshiped him as someone divine. Jesus was worthy of their worship, even though uh, they were looking at this little baby boy, uh, they knew that Jesus was not of this world. He was son of man, but he was also son of God. Scripture tells us that the Magi followed this North Star to find the place where Jesus was born, and how fitting it was that the Magi followed this star to find where Jesus was born. And the birth of Jesus tells us that humankind has failed itself. Despite our best efforts, men and women cannot bring peace onto this world. The harder we try, the harder we fail. In the first century, uh, obviously the empire that was dominant at the time was the Roman Empire. And they truly, uh, the Roman government, the Roman emperor truly had this desire 
to bring unity and peace across the world. But the way that they would do that was through fear and power and domination. Okay, there's even this term uh, that maybe if, uh, maybe if you studied this in uh, high school history, you might remember it. It's called Pax Romana. Okay, Pax Romana. Okay, it's this idea that uh, peace will cover the world under the Roman Empire's rule, right? And they really had this like sincere, probably uh, good intentioned desire to bring peace across the world, but it was through fear and through dominance and through control. And yet Jesus was born totally powerless, <laughs> totally vulnerable. And instead of being a child to royalty, he was born to a family of a carpenter. And instead of being born in a palace, he was born <laughs> in a cave. And instead of being surrounded by politicians and powerful people, he was surrounded by animals and these mysterious magi. And through this birth came peace in the, in the earth. This visit to baby Jesus uh, completely changed the Magi, and they couldn't go back to their former lives anymore. Visiting the light of the world urged them to leave their lives of paganism and darkness. Author and pastor uh, Tim Keller put it nicely when he said, there is a light outside of this world, and Jesus, was, and Jesus has brought that light to save us. Indeed, he is the light. You see, the Magi followed the light in the sky to find their way to Jesus, but the Magi followed the light of the world after they had found Jesus. The Magi followed the light in the sky to find their way to Jesus, but the Magi followed the light of the world after they had found Jesus. Now, the last of these three gifts is probably the most obscure, myrrh. Even that word is kind of funny, myrrh. And there's a barely even a vowel in there, <laughs> right? Uh, myrrh is, uh, what is myrrh, okay? Myrrh is this oily, aromatic resin which could have been used as perfume or medicine. It was a primitive form of balm that was used to heal and relieve sores, wounds, and abrasions. But as perfume, it was most commonly used to cover the odor of those who are dead. Rumor has it that when Jesus was buried and put in the tomb, he was covered in this myrrh. So this myrrh represents that Jesus was going to be both healer and savior of the world. Jesus is healer and savior of the world. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the son of God. And he is also the healer and savior of the world. Instagram cannot save us. Amazon, as powerful as they are, <laughs> cannot save us. We cannot save ourselves. 
It is only Jesus who can save us. After the Magi met and uh, worshiped Jesus, they could not go back to living the lives the way that they used to. How do we know this? Well, the Magi lived to serve the king. The, and um, I had mentioned that their previous jobs uh, was to act as the king's advisors. And they were the default consultants to counsel kings when dealing with anything unknown or uh, ethereal, such as visions, dreams, or understanding uh, mysteries. They lived to serve earthly kings. And after they had departed from Jesus, what is the first thing that they did? Okay, let's look at uh, verse 12 again. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The first thing that they did after they left Jesus was to defy a king, an earthly king. King Herod demanded that they come back to him after they had found him. And the first thing that they did was they disobeyed an earthly king, which is totally against their character because they could not go back to living their lives that they used to. So for us, the reflection question for us is this, okay? Um, oh, actually, I didn't put it up on here, but it's in your bulletins. Who sits on the throne of your life? Is it your boss? Hmm? Is it your mom or dad? <laughs> is it you? For most of us, um, that would be the biggest struggle. Or is it Jesus? In closing, I want to try something a little different. Um, did everyone get a candle? Okay, if you didn't get a candle, um, uh, Riley, could you maybe pass them down? And be sure to uh, put the paper uh, around it. Is there a way we could, maybe we could stand right here, like in a circle? Uh, Jesus, be my peace. Jesus, be my life. Jesus, be my life.
All right, let's pray. Lord, we pray all these things into reality. May you take the throne of our lives, whether it's by being our peace, by being our confidence, by being our love, by being our reality. We thank you so much for your presence in our lives, whether or not we are aware of it. May we give you that ultimate priority and space in our hearts, especially with this upcoming new year. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.